Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many of you believe the Word of God is alive? It's quick and powerful. You believe that? So do I. Amen. How many of you really want to get tough in the Word of God? I mean, really. You know, when you're, when you're battling against someone you don't see, the good fight of faith, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Remember this. You know, we may not see the adversary, but all he can do to us is in the realm of this world. All that Satan can do to us and come against us with is all that's common to man. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're mighty through God. Now think about that just for a moment. Our weapons are not carnal, but what's coming at us can only come at us in that which is in the common world or in this, what's common to man or to man's senses. He comes at us, He comes against us, but everything that comes against us is revealed to our senses. Every trial, every temptation, everything that comes against us with is in this realm. He's not allowed to tempt us above that which we're able. In other words, He can't go off into that supernatural powers of His and, and just slip something, you know, up on you that you have nothing uh, to defend yourself against. Everything you can defend yourself against, but the the weapons you have against the devil, those are powerful weapons through God and they're supernatural weapons. It's the name of Jesus we have that has all the power in heaven, earth, and under the earth. Earth. If you stop and think about it, it's not even fair to the devil, is it? I mean, he doesn't have a chance. He's already been defeated. He's already been whipped. Then the only power that he must have is the power of deception. To get us in the realm of the senses to use our weapons against ourselves. Now think about that. If you'll recall, when uh, Jehoshaphat and the army there and all the three armies that were surrounded against him, they were coming to destroy him. They wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. And all, if you look at in the natural sense, if you look at the way it was in the natural, it looks as though that they're going to get whipped and they're going to get defeated. They're going to get beat bad. I mean, there's three armies against one and they're all greater than theirs. But all they did was what? All they did was stand before them with songs of praise unto God. Hardly seems feasible that songs of praise unto God could go forth and cause the enemy to use his weapons against himself. Now, that's exactly what the devil tries to do to us in the power of deception. He comes at you in your five physical sense world, sense, really it's five physical sense world, and he tries to get us to use our weapons, which is the Word of God, and the laws that govern the spirit world and the natural world against ourselves. And you know, there are people today, there are born-again, spirit-filled Christians that are, that's using the power that they have through 
not only God's Word, but through what God's Word teaches about confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. And they've turned around what the Bible teaches us, faith. They've turned it around and they're using it against themselves to destroy themselves as they live on the earth. Actually, it's the devil that's, that's putting it in their mind. And they've turned their whole life around and they're going by... I mean born against spiritual Christians and they're going by the ways of the world. They're being defeated because they have been deceived by the devil. Now, you think about it for a minute. They talk like this. These kids of mine, they drive me crazy. Every time sickness comes around, I get it. I'm getting worse. I heard someone say, I know I'm going to die in this situation. What are they doing? They have turned around the only weapon that they have, the power of God's Word, spoken from your heart through your mouth to believe God. They have turned it around and they're using it on themselves. Satan has deceived the church and the world, and actually the church world, in believing that the things of the five physical sense world are real. Now, faith is not believing in the five physical sense world, but faith, as we call it, is the what? Sixth sense. Now, how many of you, and I want you to be honest with me, how many of you really have a problem in the area of calling those things that be not as though they are? If you do, slip up your hand. I'm, I mean that. Slip up your hand. I mean, be, be, you know, just, just go ahead and just, we're going to get it out of you, you know, but just slip up your hand. If you have a hard time looking and calling those things that be not as though they are, in other words, when your circumstances are staring you right in the face, it's hard for you to stand there and say, by His stripes I am healed. Because you don't fully understand what it means. If, you, if, you have, if you're in that area, slip up your hand. We're going to get it out of you. Seriously, slip up your hand high. Stick it up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. I'd say 40%. Do it one more time. Somewhere around there. Why, with all the teaching on faith, why, with all the great faith teachers of today, why, with all the material that we have, I hear people say, I went to a Kenneth Copeland meeting. I went to a Kenneth Hagin meeting. I went to a Hunter's meeting. I went to a Fred Price meeting. I went to this meeting. I went to that meeting. I went to this meeting. And, you know, when they were there, glory to God, they, they could have pulled down mountains and strongholds. They could, have been, they could have done anything. But as soon as they got away from those meetings, they got back out into the world, it seems as though they just had a hard time living up to, living up to the life of faith. Why? Why? Let's go to Hebrews, the third chapter. I made a statement last time we met. And in that statement I said, if, if it's that hard for us to live the life of faith, if it's that hard for us to walk in the blessings of God, if it's so difficult for us to enter into the promises of God then it seems as though to me that Satan did a greater work in the heart of man than what Jesus did. Isn't that right? I mean, think, think about that for a minute. Satan is not stronger or greater than the Almighty God. He is not. He's not greater than God. 
Jesus defeated the devil. We have the power through His name by the Word of God to overcome. We are overcomers through the Word of God. We are more than conquerors through the Word of God. God has already done all He's going to do about our victory and about our deliverance. Why is it so hard to appropriate something that's already been done? It don't seem to me that it should be all that hard. I could never understand that. I said, Lord, what is so difficult? But as you go back, and we're going to see something here in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to tie it in with, with the old covenant, Joshua and them. And, and they just, the children of Israel just couldn't seem to do it. And they had physical sense knowledge. They saw God. They saw the cloud. They saw the pillar. They saw the food on the ground. They saw everything that they saw was they saw the face of Moses that was so if, I, if someone came up here and stood before you and his face was so shiny that he had to put a veil over his face, I'd like to listen to what this guy had to say. Wouldn't you? He just came from the very presence, the very throne of God, the very presence of the Almighty God with instruction to his people, to God's people. And it didn't take them but a few days to say, what in the world did you bring us out here for, to die? What is it in the, that makes up the human being that is so hard for him to call things that be not as though they are and to see into the realm of the supernatural and believe God? What is so difficult? People say, you preach faith, 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 and, and, and that's all it seems, that's all there is to preach, I'll tell you right now. Because without faith, as we said in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible for you to please your Heavenly Father. And this is what has kept the, the people of God from their blessings and has kept them from entering into the promises that God has already provided for us. Hebrews, the third chapter. Let's just start with verse 1. The Lord spoke to me in this very first verse. We bring certain things out, certain truths out every time we go over the same passages of Scripture. But this here spoke to my heart. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, consider, consider. Circle the word. Highlight it. The word consider. Highlight that word. This is the answer. People are looking to other men. They're looking to other men of faith. They're looking to other men's success. And they're looking to other people's failures. And they are not looking unto Jesus. They are not considering Jesus. I've, I've heard people say when they found, found out certain things about their idols, that they just got all upset and frustrated and they didn't know if they wanted to walk the walk of faith again. People have been let down by other men. People have been let down by other men of God, men in whom they've once trusted and believed in and figured, well, if this guy got it and if this guy says it, it must be true because he's been serving God for 24 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. And he's got to know he's a lot closer to God than I am. Don't kid yourself. I have found out that people are not considering Jesus. Consider, he said here, the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is our apostle and the high priest of what we are believing. If it were not for that Jesus 
Walk by faith, live by faith, spoke faith, and call those things that be not as though they are, I would just get off right now and start preaching something else. I mean that. How many of you sincerely know, you say you have a hard time in it, but how many of you know that this is what God wants from it for His people? The same one. Slip up your hand if you know this. You, do you know that this is truth? We're just going to talk a little bit tonight. Do you know that this is true? God wants you to call those things that be not as though they are. Do you know that He wants you to believe some things that... First of all, He wants you to believe in some things that you don't see. How many of you here believe on Jesus? Or how many of you have ever seen Him physically? If you did, sub up your hand. I mean, I, I mean physically, in the flesh, seen it. Nobody? Nobody's 2,000 years old here. Okay, why do you believe in Him? Why do you believe in Him? You believe in Him because of what the Word teaches. In other words, you believe in somebody you do not see. How can you believe in somebody you don't see? Is that hard to do? Is it hard to believe that Jesus Christ lived on this earth? Is it hard for us to believe that He's living within us? Is that hard to do? No, but yet we're believing in someone who we do not see. But we have faith in Him. Why? Because His Word. The Word of God declares that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was raised for your justification. And if you'll believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. How many of you here are saved? Why are you saved? Because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is He living in your heart? How do you know? Do you see Him? Do you feel Him? Do you hear Him? In a loud, audible voice. I mean, I, when I first got saved, I started to realize that this is true. Just because you do not see, just because you do not feel, just because you do not hear, does not mean that it's not real. This is what the Spirit of God wants me to get over and get across. There are a lot of people that are falling into the areas of foolishness and presumption in the area of walking by faith because they do not understand how to call those things that be not as though they are and they do not understand how faith works. Let's read on through some of this in Hebrews. Who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his house, his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways." So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Then comes the warning. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold fast, hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, isn't it provocation? For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. How many of you know that it's a sin when you do not believe God? Seriously, raise up your hand if you know that. How many of you know that it's a sin if you do not believe God? Unbelief is a, it's an evil heart. Write that down somewhere in your Bible. Unbelief is an evil, he said an evil heart of unbelief. In the sight of God, a heart that does not believe is evil. It brings forth evil report. And the consequences of an evil heart is you will not enter into all of what God has for you. I have heard people say time and time again, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to live by faith. I want to live the life that people are talking about. I want to live by, in victory. I want to walk in complete health. I want to walk in prosperity. I want to do the thing God want me, wants me to do. But everywhere I go, everybody I hear, I just can't seem to find anybody that's going to tell me how to do it. Now, I was like that for a while. A very short while. Because I wouldn't stick around where somebody wasn't telling me how to do it. Would you? Well, then, what is so hard? What is wrong with those that preach the Word of God today? Why are they not preaching and teaching and showing from the Word of God how believers are supposed to live their life, how they're supposed to walk by faith, how they're supposed to receive from God? If I, if I wanted to find out anything throughout all the Word of God, it's how I can please God, wouldn't you? I want to know how to please my Heavenly Father. I want to know how to please Him in this lifetime. I want to know how to walk by faith. Well, as I began to read here and read over this here chapter, and the Lord led me back to, to some other things that I'll share with you as we go on, but I began to realize, and I said, Father, is it all that hard for us to get the blessings that you've already provided for? You've given us the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed His blood for us. He's already entered into heaven. You've already provided every spiritual blessing, every spiritual gift, every blessing in heavenly places has already been provided for the believer. Then why are the believers held in bondage today? Why are they not set free from sickness and disease and calamity and evil and wickedness? What's wrong with the body of Christ? And boy, how you just get pricked in your heart when you just hear the voice of God saying, they don't believe me. They just don't believe me. They don't believe what I said. You talk to people, you listen to what they say, and the first thing you say is, they don't know what God said. If they even know what He said, they don't believe what He said. They don't believe what He said in His Word. And because of the sin of unbelief, friends, there's a whole lot of people that will not enter into the blessings of God. Is it that hard? Is it that hard? Here's what happened. They came out of the Egyptian bondage. Go back with me to the 35th chapter of the book of Exodus. We're going to get back to this. Go back to the 35th chapter of the book of Exodus. They came out of the Egyptian bondage. The Lord led them out. He delivered them with a mighty hand. 
He gave Moses certain instructions on building the tabernacle. He's already appeared to them and said, I am your Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's the first thing he, he wanted to get straight with them, that he would be their great physician, their great healer. He says, if you'll serve me, there will be no sickness or disease that will come by you. You'll be protected from it. I'll deliver you from it all. It won't come upon you. It won't come upon you. I'll keep it from the midst of you. I'll keep it away from you. Think about that. He promised them to take sickness and disease away from the midst of them. In this covenant that we live in, He didn't promise to take sickness and disease away from us. He took it away from us. Himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. Isn't that right? Didn't He do that for us? Matthew 8, 17, isn't that what it says? What is so hard for us to look back to Calvary? Well, let's look at something here. I began to read this in the 35th chapter of the book of Exodus. And the Lord began to speak to me. In the 34th chapter, this is talking about Moses coming down from the mountain. And when he came down from the mountain, his face was shining white. They couldn't look upon him. He had to put a veil over his face. He'd go back in and talk to God. He'd come on back out. He'd give them instruction. And that, his face was just so full of the glory of God that it was shining. They couldn't look upon his face. But look at what, he's, look what the Lord said. Verse, well, let's look at verse 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying... This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is, now circle this phrase, of a willing heart. Let him bring it, an, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Going up to verse 10. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded. Going down to verse 20. Notice it said, wise-hearted. And the, all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up. And everyone whom his spirit made what? Remember Isaiah said that if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Listen to the first, listen to the instruction that God's giving through Moses. Find everyone who has a willing heart. Find everyone whose heart is stirred up by the Holy Ghost. Listen. Everyone whom his spirit has made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments, and they came both men and women, as many as were willing hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings, and so on and so forth. Verse 23. And, well, no, verse 24. Going down to 25. And all the women that were... What? Did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun. Go on down to verse 26. And all the women whose heart stirred them up in what? Going down to verse 29. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing... To bring all manner of work which the Lord commanded and to be made by the hand of Moses. Verse 31. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Read all through this in context. I begin to read some things here. In that verse there, he showed me this. He said, people often say that it's not your ability that I want. But your availability. I've heard that time and time again. And in a sense, that's true. You know, he wants more than your availability, though. He wants your ability. 
Now listen, let's put this all together. If I were to preach to you that the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I want everybody in this congregation who has a willing heart to bring your talent here to this altar, and God has instructed us to do something for Him. We're going to serve the Lord our God in this manner. Anybody back here that's good in carpentry? Raise up your hand. You, you're going to be the one to do the carpenter work. Anybody here that's good in sewing? You, your job to serve the Lord, you're going to do this. Anybody here that's good in doing this, that, and the other thing? And we're going to start to name these things. And if you have a willing heart, and you're an obedient heart, you bring your talent, you bring yourself, and you just set yourself before the Lord, and we are going to serve Him in this manner. I could get this whole congregation of people to come forward and they could work hand in hand. I mean, that would just be a great joy. Everybody would do everything that they could do for the Lord. Isn't that right? How many of you would be willing to do it? Slip up your hand if you'd be willing to do it for the Lord. Would you do that for the Lord if He, if he commanded us to do these things? Everything they did back there was by the five physical senses. Now, all he's telling us to do in our covenant, he's not talking about our ability with our hands. That'd be nice, but praise God for that. He's talking about building a tabernacle here. This is the tabernacle. In that tabernacle was supposed to be the finest things, gold, silver, brass, etc. This is the tabernacle. Remember over there in, uh, matter of fact, go there, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. If your salvation and your spiritual growth was based upon what you could do for God, your Heavenly Father, in the physical realm, I'd see hammers and saws and, and, and sledgehammers flying, and, and you'd see women with all their... I, I see people just making, you know, spaghetti and meatballs, and, and uh, you'd see... You know, I mean, you'd have the whole body, everybody going every which way, doing the, all the things that they can do best, and they'll just put their hearts full, you know... All out. They'll go all out like these people did. Every one of them came. Everybody that could do this did it. And everyone that can do that, they did it. The woman that began, that knew how to sew, they did it. God put, put this here last year. Our Heavenly Father put this last fellow here who was wise. He had the spirit of wisdom and understanding in how to do the work that God you know, set him to do. He says, I've set you over to do this here. And he had wisdom and understanding in how to do it. Not only did he have ability, availability, but this man had ability. And God wanted his ability. He wanted his ability. He wants people to know how to, let's say, play an instrument. When you're going to do something for him, he wants you to do something with your ability. And the better the ability, the better it is. You're going to find out when they appointed the singers, uh, it was their duty that they find out the best that could go out there and begin to play and begin to worship God. But now listen. If I were to speak to you and say, all these things that we're going to do is going to please the Lord. That's why the church has gotten to a place of bondage in thinking that the works that they do is pleasing to God. But when you start to tell people that our Father wants us to do things in the spirit world that you cannot see, then all of a sudden you've got, you got very few people that want to come around and do what, what the Heavenly Father wants them to do. And we're going to show that in a minute. In building that tabernacle for Him... Everything went into it, into the physical realm. But let's look at this here. I'm sorry, I'll give you the 10th chapter. The third, let's go back to the 3rd chapter. Let's look at this here, what happened in verse 9. 
It seems as though when you get off into the area of the spirit world that people are lost. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to uh, operate in the spirit world. But you get somebody who's good at, at mechanics and, boy, look out, he's going to fix your car for you just like that. And that's exactly what happened back there. Their covenant and their knowledge of God was more in the, in the physical world. He appeared to their senses and everything that they had to do for him was done in the sense realm. Now, the building of God in your own life, the body, we are the temple of the living God, is going to have to be built upon the same things, gold, silver, and all fine stones. But it's not going to be because you came and put it all together with your physical hands. It's going to be because you built your house out of calling those things that be not as though they are and walking in love. Let's go back here and look at the third chapter, verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another build it thereon. But let every man take heed how he build it thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is, that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon these, this foundation gold, silver, precious stones. The first thing Moses was told to bring in for the offering was gold, silver, and precious stones. Okay, let's see it. Wood, uh, go, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man, man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world... Let him become as a fool that he may be wise. Now let's stop right there. Those people were wise-hearted. Those people had wisdom. They did all the things that God told them to do because they were obedient to do it with their hands. If any man is going to be wise in this world today... You are going to have to do the same thing that our Heavenly Father has relayed to us to do. And that's the wisdom of God is calling those things that be not as though they are. The wisdom of God means we are going to build upon the foundation of our life gold, silver, and precious stones. All the things that you do in this generation is going to depend on how you did it from your heart. A willing heart, a wise heart. One that knows how to operate in the supernatural world. It's got nothing to do with the works of the flesh any longer. You go all the way back and find out when, when our Heavenly Father said, Now Moses, go on down to Canaan's land, spy out the land, and I want you to enter into the land. When they got down there, they spied out the land, they came back, two with a good report, ten with an evil report. The evil report said there's giants in the land. We're not going to be able to get in. The good report, they said, it doesn't matter. There's giants in the land. They didn't deny the fact that there were giants in the land. But they said, we're well able to enter in because our Heavenly Father, our God is on our side. Now, let me make a statement here. The reason why they could not enter into the promise of God, the promises of God, was because they did not have the ability to see beyond the circumstances of natural life. They could not see beyond it. They, had no, they didn't have a wise heart. 
They didn't have any willingness. And I like to use this word, persuadableness. They could not be persuaded to act upon the Word of God. They were not willing to go ahead all the way with, with, with God and all the things that He told them to do. He says, I'll send an angel before you. The angel will drive out the inhabitants of the land. He'll go in before you and prepare the way. And all you'll have to do is walk into the land. In the book of Joshua, we find out when the spies, when they finally got into the land, not under Moses, but under Joshua, when they went to spy out the land, Rahab the harlot said, We heard that when you people got delivered from the Egyptian bondage, we heard how your God, who is the God of heaven, who is the God of earth, delivered you with a mighty hand. And when we heard that, our defense departed from us, our hearts melted within us, and actually we conceded the land over to you. What took you so long to get here? What took 40 years for you to get from that point to this point? Well, what was it? What took them so long to finally enter into the promise of God? Unbelief. You mean to tell me that while all, all that time, all they had to do was walk right up to the promises of God and just enter right on in. And 40 years had come and gone. And they still didn't enter into the promises of God. When all the time their enemy was defeated, their enemy has given up. The enemy had no business even controlling the land any longer. They had the authority by the word of God to enter into that promised land. Why didn't they enter in? Hebrews said, because of the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. The sin of not believing that God had said. Hath God said? God hath said, I have prepared your way. I have made your way clear. All you've got to do is walk into the land. Go now to the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. How many of you here tonight have a willing heart? A willing heart. Listen, are you really going to be willing and obedient to start to understand that our Father's method of entering into the promises is the method of faith and calling things that you do not see as though they are and calling things that you see as though they are not? He didn't ask you to go out and get a hammer and start to beat some gold. He didn't ask you to go out there and build him a tabernacle or a temple. He didn't ask you. He, as a matter of fact, he built his own temple. Jesus said, I'm not going to live any longer in a temple that's made with man's hands. But I'm going to live in a tabernacle that I have prepared. I'll destroy this temple and build my own. Isn't that right? Well, you are that temple. I am that temple. And the temple that's a vessel on the honor. A temple that builds, that has that house built on gold. Precious stones, silver, precious stones, is the temple that uses the Word of God and knows how to use the Word of God even in adverse circumstances, even though the things that you see that are circumstances in your life are contradictory to the Word of God. Even though they contradict God's Word, if you will begin to stand fast on what God's Word says and call it true, you're going to be changed into a vessel of honor. And this body that you're living in is going to be so changed, it is going to be the very presence of God. You'll be just like that face of Moses coming down from the mountain. When you start to call those things that be not as though they are. When we start to believe what God said is true. In the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, we find out that they did not enter into the rest of God because of... Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life 
and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.